What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tom Castro Next Level Podcast. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy Podcast. You have now entered the next level. All right, guys. Welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy Next Level Podcast. We are on our fifth edition, a very young podcast still. So I have my special guest that I always seem to have on here, Mr. Craig McElhaney coming back from Aruba. So we talked about this right before I actually got together with the guys about running the match. So let's get back into the Aruba match. Mr. Craig McElhaney, do you have something to show the world? <laughs> oh, what does he have? Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. <laughs> Craig McElhaney, for everybody who's not watching the YouTube video, is holding yeah. up a very nice, beautiful Aruba trophy. Yeah. So let's hear about it, man. How was your match? It was good. The whole experience was um was awesome. From uh just being able to travel somewhere else was cool, but then traveling out of the country and then going to a place like Aruba. Um the people were amazing. Ipsic was it, it was a totally different experience than USPSA. I mean, it was <clears throat> I, I'm not trying to say that I make a contrast like that's USPSA is worse, but like it's just um it was just differently run. You know, and uh, it was a cool experience to see that. So it, I had a blast. It was all all together positive all the way around. Um, a different match than when I was used to, uh, big time. Uh, it was very technical. Um, uh, there wasn't a lot of running and gunning, you know, um, but uh, a lot of penalty targets, a lot of hardcover targets, tons of them. Um, and and uh, twenty stage match, it was uh, very well spread out. I Man, they had a, a chunk of short courses, medium and large. So um, overall, it, it was a great experience. Highly recommend uh, anybody to go shoot that match. They were awesome. The people there were just wonderful. So I, I had a great time. I had a great time. It was really good. So how long were you there for? How many days did you stay? Uh, for, uh, flew in, the match was Saturday, Sunday. We flew in Thursday. We um, uh, walked stages. I want to say walk stages. We, we, observed stages uh friday and then flew out monday so, so uh, what do you mean by observed so yeah for, i was just going to explain that and, yeah, and yeah. ipsic like uh there's no you're not allowed to walk on the stage um at all ever until you get the three to four minute walkthrough um in the match so you can walk up to the the rear fault line over wherever the stage is and just observe as best you can um and uh, there, there's a few differences, so I could I could talk about that now. So that some of the differences were um, uh, that uh, you cannot walk the stage. So you show the day before your rear fault line, you could see a lot of things, but you really can't see all of the angles. So you kind of have to get a stage plan, but be flexible because you, you once you start seeing the angles up front, you may have to change things around. Um, you had some pretty big field courses from some of the videos I saw. So like you, th that really yeah. affects your angles when you yeah uh, really affects the angles when you can't get up there and actually see them yeah um it really cool really cool uh stage 20 was a big field course and uh really similar to uspsa a lot of running um a lot of gunning it had a, a seesaw type bridge thing which is pretty cool um and uh yeah you had to wait to kind of see where your targets were you couldn't see any of the targets downrange uh or your angles at all um, until you got to walk through the stage, you know, the three to four minute walkthrough. Um, one of the other big things with PCC or even pistol was no loaded site picture, no site pictures at all. Um, 
you you really kind of to confirm your dot you can draw and and like 45 degree on the ground and look and confirm that your dots on but that's about it you can't uh air gun a sight picture or anything like that so did you do um, practice draws did you do any practice draws uh like well, even at the 45 degree angle or did you just roll with it and say all right my dots on like you turn your dot on check that on the ground but did you practice drawing to the ground yeah so i i um so what i did is i loaded the gun um and then i I started the gun, the buttstock on my belt and just drew to the ground and pulled it in just to kind of feel the sight picture. And that's about as much as you can do. The other thing, which is, I thought was unique and I'd never seen, um, was they actually take an inventory of your belt. They, they have a, a schematic of your belt and you're not, and they look at where are you, where your mag placements are on the belt and you're not allowed to, uh, um, change it. So it's gotta be the same for each, you know, for, uh, for each stage. So each stage they look and they make sure that you didn't change your mag positions or anything like that. So, well, that's interesting. So they actually carry that. Does that go to stage to stage or do they follow they, stage to stage? Yeah. Do you carry yeah. that and hand that to the ROs? Or yes. They, yeah. And they have to have sign to turn it. that in. Yeah. Each RO signs it. Yeah. And, you know, and listen, they were super laid back, but they're following the rules, you know? Um, I didn't even know that was a rule. That's crazy. I didn't know either. It was, and it was no big deal, you know, but it, you, oh, your shirts have to be tucked in. I think that uh, everybody's shirt had to be tucked in. So it was kind of like, you know, just some minor tweaks here and there. So it, it was cool though. It was a good experience. Um, That's cool. I didn't so have too the, much of a problem. Uh, so you were, did you stay for the award ceremony? Yeah. So they do, um, at the hotel, the match hotel, they, it, all the shooters were kind of there uh, from out of the country. I think there was like 14 or 15 different countries there. Um, they had a dinner there at night. You, uh, when you registered, you kind of pick what you want to eat. They had skirt steak or, or fish or some chicken and, and stuff. And then uh, 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 Sunday night, we had an award ceremony and, uh, they, you know, a dinner and all that. It was great. It was really well run, well put together. Um, it was cool. It was unique seeing that the dinner and all that. I, I guess for nationals, they do that. I, I didn't do, I didn't experience that last year, but I heard that, I guess this year at, at the talent or wherever they had the, the nationals, they had some kind of a dinner too. So it may be similar. But, uh, for Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one that ran out of food. Yeah. That one for low yeah. cap. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be better for, um, I'm sure uh, it will be. It'll be better, I'm sure. So, I mean, listen, I'm sure it happens. There's a lot of people. Yeah, that's what it is. Go of course, to those things and mistakes happen, and you know, it is what it is. So, like, I don't. Yeah. That to me, that isn't the end of the match or the death of the match. To me, the match is there for shooting and all the extra stuff. So, the problem with nationals, though, since we got into this conversation, is that it's an overall experience, right? Like for most shooters, like to me, nationals is about the shooting and going for a national championship. And all that other stuff doesn't matter as much to me, um, to, to, you know, about the, sh I, I'm there to shoot. Right. So yeah, obviously yeah. when you're done <clears throat> shooting and especially a, a range like that, where there's nothing to eat around there. So it's not like, Hey, we ran out of food. I'm gonna run over here to Mickey D's and grab some crappy burgers or whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're stuck with nothing to eat. Right. So um, I think, I think that was probably the biggest issue with, with nationals was you're there all day. You've been shooting all day uh, or all starving week, and you're starving and you're like, all right, cool. I got to be here for at least an hour after we shoot to wait for the scores to clear. Mm -hmm. uh, and nationals is a huge production. I mean, you know, you've been, to, you've been, but you've only been to the frostproof one. So like these other ranges. Yeah. So I, I know the one we did in, 
the one we did in Utah was really good because that was off-site. Uh, so I, I kind of thought the off-site one was really good because they had plenty of time to set everything up and, and do what they had to do. To me, when it's on-site, it's it seems like it's really rushed. And what I mean by that is everybody wants to get done, get the awards over and go home because they're traveling or whatever. But the one yeah. in Utah, for whatever reason, the one in Utah reminded me a lot of of the Puerto Rico award ceremony. It was just a lot more like everybody, they had it come to a completely different destination to have the award ceremony. Like yeah. the one we've had at Frostproof was the same way. That was really good. Alabama is a little different because they do the award ceremony at the range, right? Which is fine. It just isn't set up the same. It's not a banquet hall, right? Like Utah yeah, was, yeah. Utah was awesome. It was an outdoor arena. I don't want to say it was an arena, but it was an outdoor setting, had huge tents. It was on a golf course. Um, you could tell it was, you know, designed for big, large events. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Alabama, there's not enough tables to sit at. And again, this isn't against USPSA at all. It's just that you can only host these rain, these matches in so many places, right? Like when you need 21 stages or 21 bays, that's hard. There's not a yeah. lot of ranges in the country that, have that and number two that want to have that right like yeah. uh, you know I, we i talked about this in the previous podcast how uspsa shooters think they're special we're not special we're just one of the type of shooters that that pulls the trigger on a gun and shoot at targets right yeah so i see that a lot where you know people are like oh well we should have this and we should have that well we don't <laughs> right like if <laughs> yeah. you go to these other matches those guys to get the same stuff that we get right they have everybody you have the same issues at every match it's just you don't you probably don't know about them some of them nationals is the big match that everybody talks about right so yeah that one's going to have the most scrutiny but you go to other matches and you know you're not going to see 400 people come to an award ceremony that that's the difference. You're not going to see 300 plus people showing up to an award ceremony. So there, that is the yeah, you, on what you have to feed, <laughs> right? Yeah, but you got a good point though. Like, um, uh, for instance, like you were saying, everybody's leaving, you know, or, or everybody shoots and goes. Like uh, Aruba and I guess Puerto Rico, probably the same thing is you're not going anywhere till the next day, yeah, you know. Right. So yeah. you know, which is so everybody's there, you know. But yeah, I mean, we've we've been the, you know the Florida State match, the Florida Open, and all, all these other matches, and a lot of people just shoot and go. You know, so there's not really anything afterwards anyway, you know, so yeah, that I was guess a, when you got to fly somewhere, you're, yeah. you're, you're stuck, you know, for a while. Yeah. But yeah, man. So like, you know, again, this year I'm, I'm, um, I'm really excited to, well, I'm hoping that this year that everything goes well at nationals, but I'm really excited for next year. If everything goes back to normal, where we can start hitting some of these bigger matches again. Because this year I missed out on Aruba for a couple of reasons. I had a class, which I'll get into a little bit later, but I had a class to, to do in Texas. And that was the same dates of Aruba. But and I you already made a commitment too. So Right, yeah, yeah. and I was already committed. And I, I couldn't do the Aruba thing anyway just because of the, the whole mask mandate and all that crap that they got going on. But it was just like, I just want us to, if we could just get back to normal <laughs> and have yeah, some, some normal sense of uh, like yeah. – uh, like, I feel like right now I would have probably been shooting a major match since I, I, so South Carolina was the last major match I shot. That's months ago, dude. I mean, yeah. I would shoot a major match once a month and we would have yeah. one going everywhere. And now it's just like the, the big thing now is with the way COVID has caused issues in all these other States. 
they've jammed all of the matches at the end of the year now. So this, yeah. this, this will go out in a couple of days, but I was going to go to uh, the North Carolina sectional match. I wanted to go to area four. I wanted to go, I'm going to Georgia state. Uh, there's a few like area four is the same dates as Georgia. I have yeah, a class, tough, man. right? I yeah. have a class on September 2nd, or I'm, I keep saying that October 2nd and 3rd, the weekend after Georgia. So I'm going to drive to Georgia, shoot a match, drive home and come back to work and go right back to driving again, another 12 hours to get to South Carolina or 10, whatever it is, hours to get to that range and, and run that class and then drive home. And then within two weeks later, I'm driving back to nationals in Alabama. Yeah. So it's like within that one month period and, and August was the same way. August was crazy because of running a match locally here. We're running, I'm running four matches a week or three matches a week, plus a Sunday match now with, with the other guys. It's just insane. The schedule plus work has been insane. So it's like, I, I, I remember the last time we talked on the phone, you had just come back from Aruba and I was like, bro, I'm just done. Like I'm wiped out, like mentally yeah, and you were wiped out. Beat. And you so, couldn't talk. Well, I came back from the Texas class and I just, I, I, be, I got beat up, right? Like I literally beat myself up. The first day was 12 hours on the range, like 12 hours straight <laughs> on the yeah. range in the sun. And my dumb ass, I don't like sunblock. I don't like any of those chemicals and things, but I, I'm going to start having to now because I got torched, dude, like torched. Like I actually sunburned my lips so bad that it looked like I got punched in the face. Like it was so bad. Like my face was peeling like a, like a lizard. It was, so, I was just absolutely. <laughs> your, your, your students got their money's worth. 12 yeah, I mean, hours so, got... so day two, I was like, all right, cool. I'll push really hard on day one. Right. We'll push really hard on day one. We'll do 12 hours, you know, and the students were, so I gave them the option, right? Cause I can go until I fall over. I, I don't ever quit. I just, that's just the way I've always been. I don't quit. So I was like, if you guys want to train, I got a lot more to give you. And they were like, yes, well, they screwed up <laughs> yeah. because I just kept giving and giving and giving and giving until finally they were like, all right, man, we're done. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. We left. The yeah, but they didn't see you. They didn't see you in the back snorting two lines of coke. Yeah, right, go. right. Yeah, <laughs> my drug habit over here. Uh, well, that was the thing. I, I've had a couple guys ask me, like, man, you don't drink, you don't do drugs. I'm like, dude, do I look? Other people ask me, did you drink coffee? I'm like, have you met me? Do oh, I it's just look a like cocaine? A guy? <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's do just I a coke, like man. A guy, do I look like a guy who needs any extra energy? <laughs> they can't usually shut me off. So, but uh, yeah, so I did the class. And uh, everything was good at the day one, day two comes around and I spent probably an hour to two hours taking care of my feet. I had giant blisters all over my feet from standing in wet grass in the morning and not getting oh, off yeah. my feet enough. So, oh. so that was rough. So I, I worked it out though. I made it through day two. And then finally uh, we, we luckily on day two though, we had a match that was shot in the morning and in that class, I was able to go and save those stages because they didn't tear them down. They left them up. All we had to do was take the paper down. So we went and shot three of the stages that they had from the match. So that was a huge benefit because I was able to go into stage planning with my students. And cool. yeah. nor <clears throat> normally I only build one stage. 
And I build one stage to where you have to stage plan it. There's different ways to shoot it. There's always something different you can add and, and change the way it shoots to add a little time or shoot sooner and, and all those things that I teach on Saturday. But it was awesome because it was three completely different stages. Now, I think the best part of it all was, is I videoed everybody's stage run. And then I had uh, my buddy, Sam Caldwell came out. One of my students, one of my really good friends came with me to the class and helped me for that class. So I could get some video and I videoed all of the students runs as well as my run on those stages. So I was able to go back and as a bonus to them, I was able to do an overlay video of my stage runs versus their stage runs. And actually, I, I'm going to try to post that up this week if I can uh, so everybody can kind of see what we did, what I did. Yeah, those but are the, cool. Well, the cool part of it is, is I did a side-by-side. -side. So it was me and me and them next to each other. So you could see both of our runs. And obviously, I time it off the beep to, to show the times. And then I show an overlay of me actually, like basically what you do is you take the other video, drop it on top of it, and then you take the opacity down so you can see through one of them. And then you can physically see where I'm making up my time compared yeah, those are to great. what somebody That's else awesome. does. That's awesome. And now, I would say the worst part of doing that as a, as a teacher is I'm tired. <laughs> so after 12 hours of coaching and talking the entire time, cause I don't get, take a break. So for me, my students take uh, the way I do my class. And the reason I like, I figured out the way to do my class at the very beginning is I break my class in half. I have five or six people come up and then another five or six people come up. So I break it in half so that I have one-on-one -on -one training with each individual, but it allows people to get a mental break. Because what happens when you take a class, especially a class like mine, is there's a lot of information. I, I just, I throw out so much information. Yep. And this isn't even, that's not even my advanced class. My class is already advanced, but I have now created an advanced class that goes way deeper into some of the stuff that my original class has already created. So my, my original class, I talk a lot. I go into a ton of movement a lot of time-saving stuff, talking about shooting sooner. I talk about transitions, all everything that you're supposed to talk about when you take a class to get better in the sport. But I go into a lot of detail about movement and, and how to shoot on the move and, and, and to be successful from the beginning, not just, all right, man, you just need to pull the trigger as you're moving. That's that's mm -hmm. not the answer. I, I want to give yeah. you the, the how, right? So as I go into this class uh, into day two, I start shooting the first stage. Well, it's not perfect because I'm exhausted, right? And But that's not what it's there for. Because when we started the day, I don't just go, hey, let's go shoot some stages. I still had like five or six drills we need to get into so that they could take that those drills and put them into the stage plans. And what was really cool is by the end of the day, by the last stage, we had I had a, a gentleman, Andy, Andy, uh, Andy Whitley, that I stayed with at in uh texas man the guy the group of guys in texas bro are just like us like i mean identical they they have the same demeanor and attitude like we do they love messing with each other but in a great Boy. way all right, right. Like, I was yeah, gonna say they're like screwing off <laughs> right so so i we fit in immediately like he he i met him i, I drove to their house from obviously from Florida, drove all the way there. They let us stay at the house. It, it, it was amazing. Like 
They just, just the hospitality. We went out to eat every night as a group. They just, they have a core group of guys that brought me there. And then we added other people. I, I met a couple of my students from the insider circle that I haven't met yet. And that was really, I mean, there's just, it, it was such a great experience that since I haven't been able to coach in over a year, dude, because of this COVID shit, it was the best class. And, and I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit to do another one. Right? It was that good. It was. Yeah. So when you have that experience, it's like, all right, this is what I love to do, man. Like, this is what I love to do. It, it, the problem is, is, you know, it's just scheduling now at this point, like it's just scheduling right now sucks. Like th some of these classes that I've, people have been asking me to do, I want to do them, but I have to drive because I can't fly. I won't fly with a mask. So it's like, somebody asked me about doing a class in Washington, bro. That's, that's a long, long drive. Like that's, it's not worth it to drive there. Right. So I, I don't know. It's going to be one of those things where I'm either going to Washington, Washington state. Yeah. Like Oregon area, Oof. Washington, wow. yeah, like Oof. the other planet, yeah. the other side of the world. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, the opposite side of the country, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I'm like, man, that's not a good drive. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it just really depends on how work goes with construction because construction is kicking my ass right now, dude. I'm like, I'm so busy and I have so many crazy timelines all inside of nationals, right? Like, oh yeah, this tough. is this is what I'm dealing with right now. And again, this isn't a poor me. This is I just want to explain to people that I'm not a professional shooter, <laughs> right? I I am a self-sponsored yeah. shooter. I really am. I'm a self-sponsored shooter that loves to coach. So now at this point, I'm like, all right, I you know I can't sacrifice my construction business. I can't sacrifice my students. So what, where does it go? Sleep, right? I, I, I don't get a lot of sleep. So then I, I just, it's tough, man. It's, and again, this isn't poor me. This is just, I feel like this happens to a lot of shooters. And I felt like this was a topic like, dude, you're a great example. Look what's going on with you right now, man, between what you do for a living with COVID and all the pressure that you guys have because you're in the medical business, right? You're, you're a paramedic fireman fireman, paramedic, whatever that, yep. you know, you're at, you're a part of SWAT. So you're do, you have all these irons in the fire, dude. And now what happens at home? What do you have to deal with? Termites. Yeah, dude. Now you got to tent your house. <laughs> I got to tent my goddamn house. It's nonstop, man. Welcome to Florida, right? Like, <laughs> I know, you know, welcome sucks. to Florida. You, you know, yeah. we, have, we have termites, mosquitoes. We live in a damn swamp, right? Yep. So it's like, yep. so, I mean, you add that to the list of things that you're trying to do to get ready for nationals as well. Yeah, you know, it's, and then it's in the middle of September. Yeah. Dude, you when know? you were in a, right before you went to Aruba, like literally right before your air conditioner goes down, like yeah. all this stuff that happens in our lives that we have to deal with on top of work. And then you try to throw in this amazing hobby that we do. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, what gives, right? It's yeah. usually the hobby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's yeah. usually the hobby. And, and, and the way we treat this hobby is there's zero room for error, right? So it's like, you're going to, you got to run it all the time. Perfect. And, you know, no room for error, which obviously is not reality, but you know, that's where we want to be, you know? Uh, yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the level that we, we take this sport, right? Like, and I, and I hear this all the time. I hear people say, oh man, it's just fun. It's just fun. I like, so I'm out here for fun. Then why are you looking at the scores? Cause it's, it's fun to win. 
right? Like yeah, I, it, I, I just had this conversation, bro. It's fun to win. Like I love winning. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is if you can't win it, 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 like I took third place at Aruba, it's fun to get better yes. and to learn. And I learned a lot and I know I got better. And I, and the other positive thing I pulled out of this is I see where I I'm lacking and where I need to be better. So those are all win, win, wins in my opinion, you know? Um, so like, if you can't win be first, well, guess what? If you're getting better, that's a hell of a good start, you know? Yeah. So, oh, so before I, cause I have to bring this up, man. Cause this was probably one of the coolest experiences of Texas. So the guy that originally brought me out and, and called me about a class was Scott Ree. And it's Wallace Orchard Gun Club is where we had it. That that club is amazing. Like they're so helpful. They like we there's three or four different clubs. It reminds me a lot of how we do it at Ruskin at Guncraft, where there's a couple of different clubs. Everybody kind of has their own little connex, they have their own gear, but everybody will share if they need to, right? So cool. yeah. but you try, but they try. Excuse me. They try not to share, right? Obviously, everybody wants to keep their own equipment saved because I mean, we are shooting at things downrange, and people get shoots to stuff all the time that they shouldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> so we go down. We're at the range, and so so we go to the range. And the day one was Friday, so I got there Thursday night at like I don't know ten or eleven. Like we left at four or five in the morning. Rented a car. Uh, Sam rode with me. We drove up. And the drive was great. Zero problems on the drive. The car that I rented was getting 30 miles a gallon. So I was like, this was oh, worth beautiful. the rent. Yeah, it was like, Heck this yeah. is worth the money. My truck's like 12, you know, bigger tires, built for towing a trailer. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't beat my truck up Absolutely. on this drive. Oh, yeah. So the only thing I hated was the damn car is low to the ground, dude. And I can't stand that. You can't see around anything. I'm, I'm a real defensive <laughs> driver. So I look around, I like always pay attention. No, no, you're, you're more of an offensive driver. <laughs> yeah. well, hey, But I always know what's around me. Right. Hey, and I actually did really good on speeding, dude. I actually uh, stick stuck with the, um, the cruise control, the whole ride. So I wasn't getting another Georgia ticket. That's for sure. Uh, so mm -hmm. we get there, we get up there and we, we hang out for a couple hours. Like, so I could, you know, meet, Andy had never really met him and uh, met his wife and she was amazing. So I got a chance to really get to know them for a couple hours. Sam passed out. Like he was like, dude, I'm going to bed. So he went and slept earlier than I did. I still had to wind down from the drive. So like, I probably stood up for two hours after the drive and uh, Andy and then were like, Hey, you want to sit down? I'm like, dude, I've been sitting for 16 <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> oh my God. I'm good. I'm good. I just want to stand oh. up for a little bit and like feel my legs. So we get, uh, we all go to sleep the next day. We're going to build stages. So I I'm not much of a sleeping guy. If there's light and I see it, it's over. Like I'm up. I don't really sleep. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't usually yeah. sleep past seven or eight. It's just this. Yeah. I'm naturally up, ready to work. So get up, get my stuff set up. Uh, Andy and them, uh, make breakfast early in the morning. So I was there, made us breakfast. I mean, dude, th that guy is amazing. Like just really enjoyed their company. Just they're really great people. So we meet everybody at this place called or tactical ammunition, I think is what it, I know it's or tactical. I'm not sure if it's ammunition, but they make ammo on a commercial size, That's cool. uh, commercial size rate. Right. 
So they sell to the public, they sell to ranges, they sell to, if you bring them a, uh, an ammo that you want to have made for your open gun or for your rifle, they, they make it for you, right? They'll make you a custom load or whatever, and then they'll make you specifically ammo for you. So we got to take a tour of this place and bro, I, I'll tell you, I hate reloading, like absolutely hate reloading. I have a Mark seven that I push a button on and I still hate reloading, but I do love the Mark seven, right? Like it is an amazing machine. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that machine so that I can only press a button. <laughs> So yeah, I've I, got the Mark seven hand crank. Yes, I still yes. love that thing, but yeah. you know, dude, they make a great machine, right? They oh, really do. Awesome. That, that thing awesome. is phenomenal. Just love it. So, it, so I, 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 I go into this place and the first thing I walk into is, and I, I can't remember the name of, I think they're called Kydexes. I'm not sure. I can't remember the name of, it. I'm sure I'm misquoting that, but it's basically an inline uh, progressive machine where it just goes in a straight line. It goes and goes across up and down, uh, you know, up and down and it, it tests everything. Do they have an air pressure thing where when they drop it down on the case, if it doesn't match the pressure that it's supposed to, it opens a gate on the back and kicks it out. Oh my right? God. So in other words, That's if awesome. you have a stepped case, <laughs> it'll know if, if it's got, if it's a 380, it'll know because the pressure won't be the same as nine millimeters. So it kicks it out. So it's amazing, like unreal, dude, like crazy. So all these safety features, I mean, I will tell you, it's a complete foreign object subject to me, though. When I walked up to that machine, I was like, I wouldn't know the first thing how to run this, right? Yeah. So the, uh, I meet all the employees. They're amazing. Everybody was just super nice. They, it, it was awesome. So I go in. I'm back in the corner. They show this brass processor, and I'm like, Holy shit, dude. It's like the size of my truck, right? <laughs> and it's got two different layers that it goes in. So you throw it in, the brass goes in, and there is, um, I don't want to say they're tungsten, but almost like BBs, right? But they're, um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but there's BBs in there that they drop soap and a little bit of water and it runs it right so it's it just runs it and runs it and runs it and these things come out brand and this is all once fired brass right this stuff comes out like brand new out of the factory brass then it drops it into corn cob so it, it goes around in a circle and it hits a let you basically pull a, a lever and it opens a gate and all of it spins out of that and leaves all the metal ball ball bearings that's what i was looking for the ball bearings in the center department and never lets it get into the corn cob rolls around falls into the corn cob runs around dries finishes doing what it does and then falls out then they take it and they make it they make the, the bullets right i mean they have giant barrels of bullets and brass and pallets of everything it's it's unreal right and this place isn't that big i mean it's a factory for sure but it isn't like this it's not like you would see it like a winchester or, i mean it's not that big but so i'm watching them make and they take me through the whole process dude it was like it was really eye-opening on what a big scale would take right like it, it, some of those machines are extremely expensive so he takes me to this back room with the guys and we go into the room and he shows me basically a machine that case gauges all the ammo without case gauging. It has an eye on it 
that when it comes by the eye, it reads it. It reads it. I mean, to the T. And then it it has this section where it kicks them out if they're bad or if they think they're bad. So it throws it to the side and then everything else goes into the other bucket where it's good. So I'm talking to him and I'm like, all right, so what, you know, what do you do with the bad rounds? He goes, well, we case gauge every one of those and try them afterwards. You know, if we have to 99% of those rounds that is seen by an eye that says it's bad is still a good round. It just, it just yeah, that yeah. little bit of percentage that it needed for it to kick it to the left. Right. So I'm, I'm talking to him about this machine. He's just like, yeah, man, that's a $350,000 machine. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, really? I was like, so what did you used to do before you had this? Oh, wait, the story gets even better. He goes, yeah, we used to case cage every single one. Yeah, oh dude, you're talking, I think he had 50,000 rounds oh, that that machine ran in an hour. Oh, <laughs> so they used to case it's cage just, it's every painful. single one. Painful just thinking about that, yeah. man. So wait, it gets even better. Yeah, with so a hundo, you got yeah. you got a hundo, you got a hundo. Oh no, no, <laughs> they're doing the single case gauge, no hundo. Oh yes, single case gauge. So that that was the old system. <clears throat> so I asked him about this machine, and he, I was like, "So how much is this machine?" He goes, "Oh, it's normally three hundred fifty thousand dollars." Somebody went out of business and couldn't use it anymore. He bought it for ten thousand dollars oh my god i was like that is amazing dude oh my god amazing amazing so but here's the thing talking to him even though it was a great deal he spent a lot of time getting it to run there wasn't working correctly yeah he oh yeah yeah it had a lot to do to fix it and oh yeah these guys that they, they called him the colonel, right? He was a, he was a colonel. I, I go in there. He's such a great dude, right? The guy was so amazing. I mean, he just gave me so much extra attention, walked me around. Cause I was really, I'm always intrigued by that kind of stuff that when they're building stuff. So we go around and he starts showing me some stuff. And I asked him, I said, so how do you put these in the boxes? Like, do you hand pluck every piece into a box? Cause he puts them into your standard boxes. Like you would for, you know, what you buy off the shelf. He invented, <laughs> dude, people are just amaze me. He invented a box loader. So he made this machine where basically it's a giant vibrator, ta- a vibrating table that all the rounds will fall nose first down into the slots. All you have to do is load the trays into that machine. They fall into the trays. You basically lift it up like it's a grill, like a, a George Foreman grill. You lift the top off, you pull the boxes out, slide them in the new box. Everything's case gauged and been done already. So, like the nice. innovation, like out of necessity. I, I think all of us would love to have our own ammo factory right now. <laughs> so, so yeah, but you know. not, dude. I'm telling you, I talked to him a lot about that. I talked to him a lot about primers. Um, I asked him, I said, so, you know, how, how are you doing? He's like, we are struggling getting primers and he's a manufacturer, right? He's a manufacturer and can't get primers right now. So, and then when he is getting primers, they're getting outrageous prices, right? They're still getting the same crappy prices that we're all getting. Right. I, I mean, obviously we're getting charged more than he is, but he said there's that we're getting hit with ha- terrible prices as well, because what's going on right now is they're hitting the port. A lot of these foreign primers are coming in. 
They're hitting the port. And instead of them filling the contracts, they're outbidding each other for those primers. So if somebody comes in, says, I'll pay you, you know, uh-huh. 300,000 for those primers and somebody bought them for a hundred thousand as a business owner, what these companies are doing, well, hell I'll take the 300,000, just sell everybody else. I didn't get primers in. So that's what's going on in a lot of ways. It's, there's a lot of bullshit that's going on with primers that we're not being told uh, materials in general. Look at what happened with Russia uh, again, not, not to get into politics here or, you know, any kind of gun, you know, crap, but like right now they just banned all Russian ammo, all Russian guns, everything it's gone. Where do you think a lot of these primers were coming from? It's all coming from over there right now. They're not getting, we're not getting American made primers as fast as we're getting the foreign stuff. So, you know, this is, we're getting blocked in, in, you know, many ways from getting our stuff. So we go, we finish that. The guys took me out to eat afterwards and place was amazing. But for the first time in a very long time, I did not break my diet with the sugar. So they had bread pudding at the restaurant that we went to, dude. And, you know, I have a soft spot for that. That's right here in the middle, right on the gut. But if I eat a lot of sugar, it tears up my legs real bad. It's arthritis. I have arthritis in my legs. It's something that runs through my family really bad. Um, So... I had to refrain from eating the sugar. <laughs> yeah, or your knees, your knees would get beat up. And I hadn't even started the trip yet, right? Like I hadn't even started coaching or running or, or anything. So I learned really quickly that nutrition is very important in this sport for me, for me. And I had a buddy, Dwayne Spires, who comes and, and you know, I've coached a lot and we've done a lot of stuff where he's helped me get, in, get my uh, insider circle going and all that stuff. And he told me a few months ago, when my journey started for nationals that don't allow your physical fitness to be what crushes you at nationals. Don't lose because you gas out. So I started changing the way I eat. I started changing. I started working out again. Uh, You know, I started changing my mindset on that. You know, what my goal is, is an overall goal, right? It's not just, okay, cool. I want to win on the, I want to win on the range. Because at the end of the day, I mean, if you really think about it, man, we're only shooting for a minute, maybe two minutes at the most. So those two minutes are not one at the match. They're one before I get there, right? And I think that's the big thing that people lose is that all the training we do is what makes us good, not the shooting at the major matches, right? Like if you're not winning major matches is because you're not doing something before you get there. So I, I don't know, man, it's been crazy. Cause I've been having some, a few practices lately that uh, some of the practices I've been having lately have been huge breakthroughs mentally. Some of the things that I'm starting to train now uh, I'm training a lot more of the mental consistency. Uh, a lot of that stuff starting to change. It's crazy how, you know, you go through these levels of change as you become a better shooter. And I, I the class, I saw a big level and that's why I kind of brought this up with the, with the health stuff. I saw a big level of the mental change at the class. Uh, we had Andy is a great example. Like I'll just use him. Cause he, he was the, like the, one of the last shooters of the day and uh, quite a few of the guys in the class, not, not Andy, but quite a few guys in the class had, they were holding themselves back. Right. I mean, 
And you've seen that before, right? Like how many times have you seen where people could be faster, but they're not willing to let go of that little bit of control that they think they have, right? So guy goes in or a couple guys go in and I'm just like, man, you have three seconds. You could take off the stage two seconds at least, right? Like I try not to tell people three, four seconds. I try not to make a time because yeah, like, yeah. right. Then they're reaching yeah. for the time instead yeah. of, <laughs> instead of reaching for what they're supposed to reach for. So I said to him, I said, all right, man, here it is. Shoot the stage. Andy shoots the stage at 12 seconds, 12 plus seconds. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like I've seen you shoot. I've seen you draw. I've seen you do all of this stuff for the last two days. And that's the best you got. Come on, man. You got to let it go. Right. You got to let it go. He looked at me like, all right, I'm going to reload. I was like, all right, go reload. So a bunch of other people went up. He comes up, dude, and runs the stage in nine seconds, like 8.54. Yeah, what, is that? what does that tell you? Man, three freaking seconds. And he had hits. That's I mean, listen, huge. when I say you got to go, I'm not telling you just to pull the trigger and like, okay, whatever. You know, he had yeah. hits. He had <laughs> hits. So I said to him, I said, look, this is – this is your homework. When I leave, you have to change your mindset. And there was at least three other guys in that class that I had to change their mindset on how to shoot. And that's one of the things I like, I, I pride myself on when I teach a class is that I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you to go faster from the very beginning, right? My class is not to go slow. I'm going to teach you how to take your shooting to the next level. So that was a big thing, man. I, I walked out of that class and I had a whole new perspective of mindset, right? Does that make sense? Like I, I walked away from that class, not just for them, but for me as well. I had a whole different mindset when I left that class. Like, all right, man, you, this is it. Like the mind controls everything. It really does. We just don't think about that stuff because we're so worried about shooting results and pulling the yep. trigger, right? Yep. So like how many times, well, you know, and I wanted to ask you about this because we haven't really talked about this to anybody, but Aruba. So your very first stage, you have some problems. What happened? Yeah. I mean, I, my uh, first stage we started was a smaller stage, had a swinger. Uh, you had one paper, open paper on the left, uh, swinger in the middle and one paper on the right. And then to start the stage, you have to lift up a, a lid on a box grab your gun, load it, and then shoot. So the lifting up the lid activates the swinger. Well, I mean, I lift up the lid, load the gun, shoot the left, shoot the swinger, shoot the right. And I got two freaking shots in the Delta. I mean, it just pissed me off right together, you know, <laughs> shooting low. So, and, and they were right in the middle, low, almost touching. And, uh, you know, I, all I had to do was aim higher and it would two alpha. I was like, oh God, what a start. And I mean, I bled Deltas the first day. I mean, I, I my Alpha Charlie account was super good, and I, I, there was a lot I could have worked on, but I, I could tell you, the Deltas and then the uh, the Deliberate. I mean, I was not as fast as what I should have been, and uh, um, it was more like, okay, these are penalty targets. we got to be careful. Everything is hardcover, you know, all this stuff. So I <clears throat> took away from that match that I've got to be shooting faster. I need to be transitioning faster, manipulating everything faster. I need to be doing uh things at a higher rate of speed and i can uh it was just a matter of uh pushing myself and i should have gone faster so that's what my biggest thing is just watching the video going oh my god so damn slow 
You know, so, but, I mean, so honestly, man, what part of the problem when you have matches with lots of penalties? So I just watched uh, Area 8 had a ton of penalty targets on it. Mm. And what happens now, I didn't shoot Area 8 uh, because of, you know, time and travel and all that stuff. But I, I would say that the biggest thing I'm noticing with a lot of shooters lately is if there's a lot of penalty targets, and, and this is what kind of what happened to you. We talked about this a little bit after your match was you went into that match knowing, oh, my God, there's tons of penalties. There's no shoots on everything. There's hard cover on everything. I mean, you had a lot of hard cover targets. So right away, the first thing that happens when people see the penalty targets is they immediately slow down for safety. I can't have any mics, can't make any mistakes. I can't do this. I can't do that. So the problem with that, though, is you shouldn't even see them. They're not there, right? They're not there. Why would you change the way you shoot a penalty target over a, an open target? You're supposed to be shooting the A regardless. It's yep. just that you need to make sure where your holds are that you're focused on both shots not just the first shot. So what happens yep. why most people get penalties is they focus on the first shot. Then the second shot's like, well, I'm there. Boom. And that's when you get the penalty. Uh, alpha Delta Alpha Mike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So did you see a lot of guys slow down because of the penalties everywhere? Um, I think so. I mean, my t I, like I said, when I say slow down, my time wasn't terrible, but I know I could have shot faster, right? So that, no, that's you all shot that slow. No, you shot. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. did not For shoot sure. your. You definitely one hundred percent did not shoot your ability. I saw you shoot yeah. it. I watched your yeah. videos. You did not shoot like Craig at all. Like I, I don't want to say at all, but you definitely weren't aggressive like yes. you usually 100%. are. One hundred percent. Yep. Like yep. You usually yep. are. Um, I know that Mike Seifert, uh, another guy. Uh, I just <laughs> just met him uh, Thursday that night. He was my roommate, so he was shooting with Da Vinci as well with me. He's a good dude. He shot pretty quick. Marco Cabahug shot pretty quick. Um, uh, but I just felt like I was slower, you know? Um, so the, those matches, when I was saying before, is uh, the good thing about those is you can see where you did well and then really where you need to work. I'm really glad I got to shoot a match like that because I never shot one like that before, and I would definitely shoot it differently next time. Um yeah, I'm starting to I'm starting to do uh, the the stages that I'm starting to build now at the local matches are a lot more of stop and shoot, uh, hit a specific spot, maybe throw a little bit of movement stuff in there. But uh, I'm really starting to focus a lot more on stopping and shooting because I don't I, I don't want to say it's a weakness of mine, but I feel like because the people that build nationals uh, they do a lot of it. There's a lot of stopping and shooting. There's a lot more emphasis on accuracy over. And, and so when somebody throws a 25 yard target out there, that doesn't make the stage harder. It makes the stage no. slower. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It makes yeah. the stage slower. So, but, but are you going to move on a 25 yard target? I would, I would hundred percent move on a 25 yard target if it uh -uh. flows right. <clears throat> Right. Yeah. If because I, I, I practice that now at this point. So a great example is we had a practice on Sunday with a bunch of guys from the insider circle that I'm friends with that are part of uh, the help run the match and also uh, are in my insider circle, my, my coaching program that I have. And we worked on nothing but 20 plus yard shots. Even when we moved forward on things, we were still at 18 yards. So at the end of the practice, I had a chance to talk to a couple of the guys and I asked them, I said, so what do you think about the practice? 
And, and I said, how did you feel at the end? They were like, well, it's a lot. It's as easy. Like, I felt like those targets were nothing. I said, you do realize that we're still at 20 to 25 yards. Those are, like, those are four shots, man. Well, no, yeah. they looked at me and they were like, oh, it didn't even feel like it. I go, because we've been practicing it all day. Exactly. It's a mental block that you have when you start going, working on distance. As soon as you start going to close targets, they feel like they're three feet away, even if it's 15. So if you go to 25 or 20 and then you put a target at 15, all of a sudden that 50 yard, 15 yard target is super close, yep. right? Super close. Even though it's still 15 yards, there's no yeah. difference. So yeah. it's one of those things where if you don't practice the long distance and you don't practice that pinpoint accuracy of entering places, it costs you time, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was a very good point you just made. So a lot of what this match was, as a matter of fact, probably 90% of it was um, all technical foot placement. Um, if you entered in and set up with your left foot, you had their raise. If you changed it and had your right foot, you missed There's two targets you can't see. So it was all about come in here, put your foot this way, you know. So it, like I said, most people would go like, oh, no, that sucks. Well, if you're trying to get better, yeah. You know, this was a good match. I mean, it, it really was. It was a very, you know, I, I learned a lot, man, because I never shot something like that. You know, now, let me rephrase that. There may be a couple of rays in a stage where they're like that, but not the entire match or the entire stage. Pretty much most of this was move to a position, shoot, move to a position, shoot, move to a position, shoot. Um, there was a few places where they were shooting on the move, not a lot. Uh, you could shooting, entering and shooting, leaving, but um other than that, it was a lot of positioning, a lot of positioning. And, um, you know, it was good. <laughs> it was good. So we good had a, so we shot the low cap. Uh, I shot low cap this year and I really thought that was a really good match. I sucked. I didn't, uh, cause I didn't practice, right? Like I, you got to practice with irons, but I thought it had a good variation of standing and shooting. I, I don't want to say standing and shooting, but moving to a position and shooting. So there was always something to do. And I think that's where I, I, I like where it should be. Those are the type of matches I like. I don't mind the technical. I like, I kind of like the technical matches because you have to figure it out, but mm -hmm. I want to see something where they kind of flow. Like a lot of times you go to these matches where they consider them technical and all you do is they're so damn choppy. There's a stop at this corner, stop. There's no movement required. It's literally just who can run the fastest. I just, there's no flow to the stage, right? Like it's okay. I'm going to shoot over here and then I'm going to stop. I'm going to shoot this stuff. And then I'm going to run over here. I'm going to stop. I mean, what? I don't know. I just, I just like the stages that flow and you're not going to have every stage like that, right? You're not going to have every, I mean, it, like, look at your stages. You had a couple standing and shooting stages. Uh, but even, even the stage where, like you said, your first stage, you, you ran to the left, you ran to the middle, you ran to the right, but it was a flow, right? It, it, it was never really where you're going to like, okay, man, I'm just going to, I got to run here and then I got to run back two feet. And then I got to run up two feet and run back two feet. There was a flow to the stage, right? So even those little short courses, you can have a good flowing stage, and they usually do a great job at that at nationals, but I thought low cap, and I know a lot of people thought the stages weren't good. Well, I, I don't want to say a lot, but I heard some griping about the stages. I thought they were great stages. I really did. They were, they were simple, but extremely hard because of the round count, right? So when you start throwing 24 rounds and 30 rounds with these bigger guns and the, the PCC with 56 rounds, it's really hard to build a stage. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard to build a stage that is difficult because when you have extra rounds, people will take extra chances. 
right? They mm-hmm. will take extra chances. So True. like if, if I was shooting low cap with a carry optics gun, you better damn well believe I'd be shooting every one of those stages on the move. There was no risk, right? They were, there was plenty of places to reload when you have 10 rounds or single stack, geez, eight rounds. There's a lot of stopping, right? Yep. <laughs> There's a lot yep. of stopping. So unless you have confidence and you think you can execute it on the move, but it's uh, there was a lot, a lot of stopping on those stages. But again, it was, I'm, I'm excited about Nashville's this year. I hope it's going to be, uh, obviously we all have a matchbook, but I just feel like where I'm at mentally and physically, uh, and I still have a month to get ready. So uh, I, I'm excited and I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. And uh, I hope I hope it's a good match this year. At least I hope I have a good match. I'm sure it'll be good. I just hope I have a good match. I don't want any. For the last two years, I've had mechanical problems with dots for two years yeah. in a row. Well, actually, one year. Last year, I had an issue with my dot, which was crazy because it's. Ne- I went almost two years with no failures, and then at nationals, it, it won't hold zero. It's six inches off. It, I just crazy just crazy and then the year before i had a bunch of gun problems and then fixed it on the last day so that you know what good does that do if you know i'm already out of it by that point so i don't know man like so where how's your training for nationals right now are you putting in a lot of work or what no i mean well i would just say no i, I just got back from aruba um i will be shooting this saturday i've been doing dry fire um i'm gonna start to ramping up as much as humanly possible and work on the weaknesses where i i think i'm weak at um speeding up transitions, speeding up movement. Um, those are my focuses right now. So um, we'll see. I, I'm, I, I'm very optimistic. I'm really happy I got to shoot Aruba. I learned a lot. And I think it's going to help me in nationals. So that's, so, that's kind of where I'm at. So let's talk about that before we get out of here, bro. Uh, and I, I've been kind of wanting to talk about this a little bit. We haven't really had an opportunity to talk about this before because we haven't gotten close to nationals yet. But at some point, you're going to have to stop focusing on getting better. And you have to start dialing it in because at some point as a shooter, when you, before you get to these matches, you are what you are, right? Yep. If, if you can't move and shoot a month out from nationals, don't be moving and shooting at nationals. Now <laughs> I, I, that's completely yes. opposite of what I coach. It's completely opposite of what I coach at when I'm, when I'm teaching people how to shoot, because when I, when I, all of the things that I say online and in my shooting academy and everything is meant for practices. It's meant for local matches because I truly believe local matches don't mean shit. You know why? Because they don't. <laughs> they don't there's mean a, a damn there's a, there's thing. Those are good practices. They're, They're great practices. practices. They're opportunities to give yourself experience in match mode. Right. And and what I mean by match mode is doing the things that you're not good at, things that you struggle with moving and shooting, all those different things that you're not good at. Do those under your local matches, because now you get practice with things that you're not good at under pressure. There is. So one of the things that I learned at the JJ class was and it's really changed the way I I think about practice. And he learned I think he learned this from Eric Rafael. You get one chance in a match. So when you go to practice and you keep running the same stage over and over and over again, why couldn't you do it the first time? Right. Why couldn't you do it the first time? And that makes so much sense. And that's why I changed some of the things that I started training on because I'm not building anything. Right. Like, so I, I, I have a different opinion about when, when it comes to what he said, like when it comes to training, 
the same thing over and over again. When I want to build a skill, I'm training that same thing over and over and over again, the same drill. I'm not changing the drill up. I'm not changing the targets. I'm, I'm running the same drill over and over again because I don't really care about the results. I care about what I'm, the techniques that I'm working on. The results will happen on their own. So if I'm moving and shooting and I'm, I'm just starting out, I'm focusing on shooting between steps, right? I'm, I'm focusing on what my dot's telling me, when I'm supposed to be pulling the trigger, tr aggressive trigger prep, all those different things. When it's time to run it in a match, I'm focusing on the same exact things, right? When I shoot a match, a local or a major, I never think about the target ever. I don't give a shit about the target. I think about my footwork and the trigger pull. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I don't think about But you about don't that. do that at a national championship. You don't do that at a major match. You know well, what I mean? like, well, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not getting better at a national championship. Yes. No. Yeah, exactly. But at, at nationals, when I'm shooting a stage, I guarantee you my thought will be on my footwork and the trigger pull, not on anything else. Uh, the, the stages take care of themselves because I already know what the stages are because I've walked them. I've memorized them. That, that's all overdrive. I don't even have to think about where do I go? And you should know that. It's same thing with a reload. You, you put that in your stage plan. You should know exactly your focus goes. So something else that JJ said that I thought was really important to share. And I thought this was a huge thing because I hear it all the time. Shooting is subconscious, right? It's not. The shooting of targets is a conscious thing. Reloading is a conscious thing. It's 100% correct on that because we plan the reloads. Have you ever seen a production guy, uh, me, who reloaded when you're not supposed to? That is subconscious thinking. Oh, I'm moving. I need to be reloading. What if you only shot two bullets out of the eight-round mag? Right? Good point. That's subconscious shooting subconscious stage planning is where i separate my opinion from what they think subconscious stage planning yes i want that stage plan subconscious right 100 i want to be able to run that stage with my eyes closed boom, boom, boom. i don't have to think about any of that but when it comes to the shooting of the targets when it comes to me leaving a position and having to reload i'm consciously thinking of that at the time but while i'm shooting targets my subconscious is just go, you know where to go, right? That's all done. But when it comes to me moving and shooting, I'm thinking about stuff. I'm actually thinking about trigger pull, footstep, all of those things. So eventually it gets to a point where if you move and shoot enough, you don't actually think at all about your footwork. All you're thinking about is trigger prep, <laughs> right? Like boom, 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 pull, 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 pull. You're not even thinking about the footwork because you know when the foot rises, it's time to pull the trigger. And that's where it changes is when, when you start thinking subconsciously, you got, thanks for turning down your phone. Very unprofessional. <laughs> so it's, that's the thing where it changes when you start subconsciously not having to think about the actual technique that you're using. And you're only thinking about pulling the trigger, right? And seeing holes in paper. That's a big thing. I, I'm so target focused that I see the holes in paper as I'm shooting. So I, I know what I'm hitting. Right. Yep. I know if I need to make a makeup shot and, and whatever. So that that's a lot of the stuff that's changed for me recently. It's, it's really, really big. And, and the match prep for me now has changed a lot. I, after this week's practice, I, I had an 800 round practice. We talked about, there was quite a few guys actually that, well, it was kind of great timing and it just kind of worked out where I dropped some, some information online about how 
I like a large round practice. And I, and I, and the things that I mentioned on there were so important, like, or let me rephrase that. The things that I mentioned on there are the things that I've discovered in what I get from a large round practice. So a large round practice gives you so many different things to me. I like it because it fatigues me. And what do you think is going to happen after two or three days Absolutely. of nationals? You're going to be oh, fatigued. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mentally so it forces you to, forces you to stay focused even when you're tired. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, so think about it. You shot 20 stages at, or 20 stages or more at 20 at Aruba. Yeah, All 20. right. So 20 stages at Aruba, you flew to another country. <laughs> You had to get all your gear there. You had to mentally think about all that stuff, mentally think about everything that you got going on at home, get there. And then you had 20 stages that you couldn't walk. You could just visually see from the back. And then you have to walk stages right before you get on the stage, right? Is that when you walk stages? Yeah. Four minutes or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, you get so you three get four minutes. Three to four minutes to walk the stage. And then you have to mentally hold it together for 20 stages. I guarantee yeah. you by the end, you might not have felt it, but I guarantee you by that last five stages, you were like, oh my God, dude, I'm tired. Like I'm beat. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, so did you shoot two days or three days? Two days. Even ten, worse. Ten, ten. You shot yeah. 10 stages in one day and, and had to come back and shoot another 10. Yeah. That's why I always think that nationals is the best match. Aruba matches like that, that have large amount of stages because it's literally mental warfare for three days. Yes. You got to have your mental game wired tight, man. Right. Period. You got to have it wired tight and, he, and you got to account for, okay, if you make a mistake, your, your whole world does not collapse. You're not yeah. done. I mean, it's not like, Oh my God, the whole, you know, I'm screwed, you know, but yeah. you've got to pull it together. Like I, a great example was what you brought up and, you know, I shot two deltas the first stage. I think I shot a delta the next stage. You know, there was a couple of stages where I had two deltas. I'm like, oh gosh, you got to pull it back together, refocus, and and you know, and keep going. You know, it wasn't like my match was over, the whole world wasn't collapsing. But you, you've got to be able to have mental strength to to right the ship and and do things correctly. You know, so um, you know, it was it was great. It was good. It was good practice. I mean, well, and you I mean, know what? The training, other you know? the other shooters are having problems too. Right. Yeah. Like oh, did yeah. any of those guys oh, yeah. that beat you run a perfect match? No, 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 not at all. Nope. So nope. if you I quit, two of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you quit it, it, you definitely don't have a chance to win. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you just give in and you're like, oh man, the other thing is, is, and, and I see this a lot. You got to stop looking at the scores. If you're having a bad match. Like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't. I, and that's what, you know, listen, my mental game is pretty darn good. I don't do that. And I'm sure there's a lot of great shooters, probably way better than me. That they look at the scores, whatever, whatever. For me, my focus needs to be on running the stages, man. With the scores, how it shakes up, how they shake up, you know. So but this I'm, year, I'm, this year, because of where I hope to be, I'm going to look at scores a little more at nationals. Uh, I, I plan on looking at scores a little bit at nationals, but I will tell you, I've been training myself to look at scores for the last few months. So because it used to really bother me a lot. And, and it was because I was so focused on winning stages. I, I always thought that if you didn't win the stages, you weren't going to win a match. And then I started paying attention to how many stages I actually won. And I started realizing that winning stages doesn't matter. It doesn't mean shit. The most consistency. Yeah, exactly. And that was what I was yeah. getting at. It's the most important thing is that I'm in the top five at every single stage. Yeah. Right now. 
there are guys that win every stage and you just, you're not going to beat them if you're second, third or fifth. Right. And that's fine. But if you honestly look at nationals, everybody, all of all the great shooters, nobody wins every stage. No, there's too no. many good shooters. There's too many things that go into shooting a match. All that matters is, is you're in that top five yeah. and you can win a major match by being in the top five on every single stage. Cause eventually you're going to hook up and win one. Somebody's going to yeah. make a mistake and you're going to win one. Well, that could be all it takes is that one win. Even if, again, there are guys who have won national championships, right? If I think, if I remember correctly, I think Ben Stoger won one of his national championships and never won a stage, like not one single consistent, stage. Consistent, yeah. man. And that's all that matters at the end of the day, because this, this sport is about mistakes. It really is like, yes, we, it's this sport yes. is about mistakes and minimizing them. Yeah, right. like There's, um, like the good thing of like you can't a twenty stage match, you can't sprint a marathon. No way. So you're not you can't go hero zero. If you go, <laughs> I'm not saying you're going to shoot slow and, and like a wuss, but if you're consistent and you eliminate as many mistakes as possible, you you're going to do very well. Yeah. You are going to do well. I would I would say the biggest problem with where where you kind of get into a uh, you kind of get stuck though as a shooter, especially as you as you get into the lower levels or or even the the anything underneath an A. Even the A guys do it. You get stuck with this mindset of I'm just not going to screw up. Right. And when you go in there with, yeah, then a, you shoot like a wuss, then yeah. you shoot like a bitch, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you said it a lot nicer than I did, but you can't have that attitude. You have to, the results are, are not predetermined. So if you go in there thinking like, Oh, well that guy showed up, the match is over. You're right. You've already lost. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you can't dumb. have that attitude. If you go into a match, and let's just say you're having a good match, and you have one stage that you mess up on, right? That's not the end of the match. If you have a mic, ninety nine percent of those mics you can outrun. I guarantee you, the top shooters are going to have mics. These matches were going at such speeds that you're going to make a mistake here and there. Yeah. But speed cleans up a lot of those mistakes. It's pretty amazing. If you're that fast and you're going fast, a lot of Master those mistakes disappear, right? Yeah. They disappear, man. How many times have you seen me outrun a mic? Right. I mean, it's just, and it's not that I'm shooting it on purpose. I'm not like, hell yeah, I'm just going to let it rip. I just did not focus for that one single bullet. The worst to me are the ones that you call a great shot and it's not there. Yeah, like, right. Those heck? are the worst. Like those drive me nuts. We had one yeah. at practice this weekend and I, I looked at it and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what? And I'm looking around the target and I'm looking everywhere for it. And I'm like, what the hell did I see that? I thought that was a dead center mm -hmm. alpha <laughs> and I only had one, right? I only had one and it was 25 yards, but I called a great shot. So but at 25 yards, man, it only takes a little wiggle of it could be just a bullet, a flyer bullet. Who knows? And, well, you know? and I'm going to tell you, I think I know what it is. And it's something that I've been working on a lot and uh, I'm, I'm ready for this year. Uh, my weakness will not be distance at all because that's all I'm focused on right now. And obviously you see me shoot. We shoot a lot of matches that have hosers. I don't need practice with that. We got plenty of those, Yeah. but all of my practices right now are small steel at 25 yards dude i finished off my last practice with 25 yard small poppers on the move going across 
working on that out of eight poppers. I missed two shots on the move mm. at wow. my pace. And that was multiple times. And then when I would miss, I knew exactly why I missed. That is one of the things that I refuse to allow be my weakness this year. So it's something that I've been training on and, and you know, it's time, dude, I, I got it. I'm chasing that championship and you got to work hard and you got to look at your weaknesses yeah. because <clears throat> every year I've always been good at long distance. I've never had a, a fear of, or a lack of long distance skill, but my speed on long distance, like it's, I shot like an old lady, like it was just like pop, pop, right? Like just wasn't there. So now I've been throwing in the small steel. I've been throwing in, uh, I've been throwing in everything I can. That's difficult, hard cover, you know, trying to shoot no shoots on, on, uh, on the move on long distance. So that's another thing I'm learning at my practice, bro, is I'm learning patience to not move on things that I shouldn't move on at nationals. Yeah. Right. Cause that's one of my, that has become a weakness for me is I can move on everything. Absolutely. I can 100% move on everything and be you don't successful. Need, you don't need to move on everything. Nailed it, bro. Yeah. I don't need to move on everything. So it's finding that those spots where it's important to move and where it's not important to move. Where can yeah. I make up that time that other people aren't willing to go for it? And where do I need to guarantee that I'm not going to make a mistake on that target? Because there's many stages that we run that you can lose the stage because of the way you chose to shoot it. Even though you shot it well, one mistake could cost you the match, especially yeah. at that level. I mean, these guys are losing or winning national championships by a quarter of a point, <laughs> less than half a point, right? That's insane numbers. Yeah. So I don't want to get there. I want to, I want to be up there so I don't have to worry about it. I want to try to get that championship that I'm not worried about that quarter of a point. Cause I don't know Agreed. if I can handle that. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Other, the other big thing about that dude is I don't have the experience these guys have. So what, one of the big things I watched one of the podcasts or not podcasts, but I watched one of the live videos that Grafell and JJ Ricaza had. And I thought it was very interesting uh, how they think about shooting because of how many years of experience they have. Both of those guys have been shooting since they're little kids and they were talking about, and, and I've said this from the very beginning of me shooting this game is it's all about experience. This is a sport that this is why coaching helps a lot in this sport is because you're taking my three years of, of tinkering around and trying to figure out what I suck at. And then I found it. I figured out how to fix it. So now I pass that on to everybody else. Save time. Oh, yep. oh, dude, not only save time, but I'm giving you my experience. I'm handing you my experience and the way I coach it, I'm hand literally physically going, look, this is how you fix this instantly. Now it's just your turn to practice it and get comfortable with it. I think that's Execute. the hardest part, right? I think that's the hardest part, man, is that you have to get comfortable with the things that you're learning new things, right? It's not that they're too difficult. It's not that they're hard. It's that it's uncomfortable because you've never done them. So listening to those two guys talk 25 years that's crazy yeah. of experience Jeez. in this sport, dude, I have three years. October yeah. will be three years of experience. What the years. hell? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but what Jeez. the hell? How do you make up 24 years, 23 years of experience? <laughs> you don't, I mean, you, you don't, you don't, you yeah. can't. You know? Well, and that's the thing is so right away, I'm already at a disadvantage, right? And you're talking sure. about guys that are professional shooters. I'm already at a disadvantage. So for me, I have to put the extra work in, to, to kind of cover that, cover that gap up. 
right? Yep. So, oh, and I'm old. Let's let's throw that in there. I'm 42 years old. All these guys are, you know, well, I think JJ's getting up there, starting to get up there a little bit in his age. But, I mean, the dude's a beast. You know, he works out. He's always in the top five, top two, top three, whatever. But that's the thing. Those guys, Grafell, I mean, the guy hasn't lost a match in I don't know how long, right? They take, and that's another thing. They take care of their body, right? The physical part is something that I was not, I didn't have the last couple of years at Nationals. And this year, I feel like I, I have it a lot more. I'm still not exactly where I want to be, but I don't know if I'll get there within a month with my schedule. Sh- shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm lucky to be I able know. to get out of bed and get to work and, and on time yep. at this point with no sleep. So, yeah, but it is what it is, man. You know, I'm just trying to put the work in. So you got anything else you want to tell the people? Um, no, uh, well, to all, everybody out there that's trying to get better, um, you know, focus on the things that you're doing right but really focus more on, you know, and I'm not, I don't mean, uh, you know, but focus on what you're doing wrong and fix those things, but not, you know, don't beat yourself up. You know, th- this is a game of consistency and, and eliminating mistakes. Truly. It truly what it is really what it is. And, and this 20 stage match is the first match I've ever shot with that many stages. And that 100% is, is what it is, 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 elim- is shooting your game. Um, I didn't worry about what someone else did or try to emulate what someone else did. Um, I just try to shoot my game and, and eliminate as many mistakes as possible. And, you know, and it, it served me well. So, yeah, I'm going to go counteract that. I'm going to counter that. And I'm going to tell you, stop shooting like a bitch, go out there and, and uh, work of on everything course. you suck at. And <laughs> uh, no, seriously, he's right. It's hundred percent. Correct. You, you have to, you have to start focusing on the things that you do wrong to get better. There's a time to shut that off. And it's before big matches. I would say two to three weeks before a major match, you should be focusing on getting dialed Absolutely. in, dialed not in. working yep. on anything, dialed in. Yep. And yep. then when you get done with those matches, because you're supposed to be videoing every stage, video all those stages, go back, analyze all that stuff, and start working on that again, pick up where you left off. But now you have more content to add to things that you've done. So the easiest way to get better in this sport is to sign up for the Tom Castro Shooting Academy Insider Circle. <laughs> little little plug there. The other way to get better at this sport and super quick is focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, one thing point. at a time. Stop trying to be an overall great shooter. It doesn't work that way. These there is so many touching parts in this sport. Uh, there are so many times that when I'm coaching, I have to stay on topic. While I'm making videos for the insider circle, because as I get on one topic, it goes into another topic, into another topic, into another topic. You have to be focused 100% on one thing at a time. And if you're not focused on one thing, then everything just bleeds together and you never get good at anything. Uh, great. That's a good point. So you, you, you should have a plan to get better. There should be an actual plan for you to get better, meaning these specific skills work on this, 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 and this, and it should be in an order and some kind of a, a plan. Like you said, don't just take it all at once and, and try to fix all at once. Cause that's just not going to happen. Have a plan and get better. You know? So the, the, the first thing I'll tell you, and I'll give you a little list here of how I would break this down. The first thing I would focus on is fundamentals. Absolutely. Fundamentals and fundamentals go from basically what I mean by fundamentals is gun handling, reloading, draw, all those kind of things, right? Because draw to me is very important because it starts the stage. It's what gets your mind right. When you have a crazy fast draw, and I don't mean so out of control that you don't see your sights because the sights decide everything. 
But when you have a really good draw, you get your draw down to a sub second draw. All of a sudden your brain's like, this is what we're doing today. We're hauling it's ass. on. It's on times it's 20 on. stages, right? You can do that times 20 <laughs> stages, you know, right. That ad- adds up that, yeah. that time savings adds up. So your average draw in USPSA is probably a one thirty. like people. If you have a one thirty draw and you knock that down to three quarters of a second to a second, dude, you're saving a quarter of a second without anything, without getting better at anything else other than just moving your hands faster. Three times 20. Right. It's (laughs) a huge difference in time. And, and, and one thing I learned when I first started is one of the guys, Mike, Mike Howell that taught me, he's like, these guys that are at the top, when they see somebody coming up, getting better, they look over and they go, ah, oh, that guy's draw slow. Well, I'm already, he's not even a guy I have to think about. I've already beat him by four seconds because of his draw. This stuff all adds up, right? So the first thing I would think about is fundamentals. The second thing that I think is, and honestly, this is to me a fundamental thing, is movement. Movement is a fundamental thing that we get, we overlook a lot. It is the most important thing in this sport to get better at because it will make you instantly faster, instantly faster. I guarantee you, if you start thinking about your movement, that's a low hanging fruit. Oh my God. Is it ever, but not, but it will save two to three seconds per stage sometimes. But here's the best part. It's not about two or three seconds per stage. Because again, we're thinking about consistency here and about having it on on an overall thing. It's the overall match time. If you save just one second per stage in a 10-stage match, you just saved 10 seconds on your old scores. Instantly. Instantly save 10 seconds. There's nothing we do in this sport that can save you 10 seconds (laughs) but movement. You're not saving 10 seconds in shooting, guys. It's the nope. movement that saves it's everything the in between. Seconds, right? Everything in between. Right. The shooting, the other thing that gets lost a lot, and this is one of the reasons why I talk about this all the time, and I'm a big stage planning guy. Stage planning is very important. Stage planning saves you time. And I'm going to tell you how and why stage planning is so important. And a lot of people disagree. I hear a lot of people tell me stage plan doesn't matter as long as you don't suck, as long as you don't bomb it, any stage plan will work. I 1,000, 1 million percent disagree for one reason. The way I stage plan allows me to shoot slower with the gun. I don't have to rip the gun. I can see the target. I can see the hits a lot better because I can shoot the gun slower. I don't need 0.13 splits to win stages because I'm constantly the way I stage plan. I'm trying to constantly shoot my gun and be moving while you're doing it and moving while I'm doing that. Yeah. But I hear this all the time that stage plans don't matter as much as the way you execute them. Execution is very, very important. It's huge. But if you set your stage plan up to not be efficient, it doesn't matter how well you execute it. You'll still never have the best plan. That's a fact. I don't know how that can even be argued. If you don't have an efficient stage plan, right? It doesn't matter how you execute it. It's not the most efficient. So anybody else who has a better, more efficient stage plan and executes it the same, you lost. With a similar skill set, you're you're done. 
Right. Yeah. But I hear that a lot because what, what happens a lot is you have the really good shooters in this sport are, are talking to the guys that are in the bottom. Well, if you stage plan designed for your skill set all the time, you never get better. So I think, I think the issue is though, is you got to learn to separate the conversation just kind of gets blended together and kind of gets thrown into one pot. You have to separate practice, local matches and major matches. So if you have a stage plan that you aren't confident in at a major match, then you shouldn't run that stage plan. That's not what I'm saying, but at local matches, you need to do stuff that you're not good at to practice it. If you're not moving and shooting because you're not good at it at locals, why? Why are you doing that? Don't you want to get better? That's what you're doing the sport for is to get better. So do the things that you're uncomfortable with at the local matches to get better. And I guarantee you, if you suck for a month by week four, you're not going to suck as much. Right. And then week five, six, seven, eight, people are going to come up to you and go, what the hell, dude? How'd you figure that out? Oh, I joined Tom Castro shooting Academy insider circle. That's how I figured it out. Right. Another little shameless plug, but that's how it works. You, you have to suck. You have to embrace the suck. I talk about this all the time. You have to embrace the suck being doing something where you're not good at it means growth. When you suck at something, it means growth. It means you're fixing. Well, you have to fix it. Obviously you have to work on fixing it, but when you're not good at something, that's growth. Right. When you fail in business and you start another business or you come back from that failure in business, that's growth. If you have an argument with your wife and you guys fight over something stupid, then you guys work it out and you figure out, hey, listen, we need to stop arguing about stupid shit like that. That's growth. But if you avoid the suck, you avoid that argument with your wife. It never gets be, fixed. You're going to be stagnant. It never gets fixed. So that, that's the thing you got and, and for you ladies out there listening, your husband as well, <laughs> you know, got to keep it, you got to keep it neutral. So it, it's just, it's big, man. It's, it's, it's so important to stay focused on, on not always trying to be great, right? Not always trying to be great. Sometimes it's good to be suck at stuff and, and get better at it. It's how it works. All right. Before we get off here, let me see it. Come on, show the people. Show the people. Ooh, look at that trophy. Third we need, place. We need some of those. <laughs> so you're the second loser. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> no, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was really cool. good. That was cool. That was really it good. It was fun. Yeah. So well, I'm, I'm glad you made home safe, bro. Yeah, me too. So, well, until next time, brother. All we'll right, see man. you later. All right, see guys. You, if you guys have any questions, hit me up in those comments, and I'll see you on the range.